Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, the race to get people into a full-on panic to get the vaccine continues. And I see the propaganda working in everything from the parallel situation of the governors of California and New York who presided over the biggest lockdowns and, if I recall correctly, the biggest death rates. Now, finally, long after it would do any good, under the gun, threatens of impe- threats of impeachment. And to me, this is all a way to eliminate or ease up on or excuse the changes in policy to ease up on the lockdowns. And that in itself will create a sense of danger the way Texas and Mississippi lifting their mask mandates has so that people who are really smoking the Kool-Aid in complete abject terror against this thing are rushing to get the vaccinations. Yeah, they have a campaign going on where they want to create that desire and they're doing it in a lot of really crazy ways. I've seen that. And I think that the that uh, at the same time, the danger of actually of dying of this is abating because of their changing protocols, how they handle things. We've talked about this before, about how they can or cannot that, that we have seen how their medical advice, their protocols have changed in ways that we could poke holes in from the beginning. And finally, they are reversing course on that. And in my opinion, they are now engaging in a good faith effort to treat people well. And that's because they want the numbers to ease up because they want to show a correlation with the vaccine. And I'll tell you, if you go back historically, anybody you've ever read who's done a lot of research on vaccine history will point out that vaccines were introduced as the disease rates were plummeting already. And and I don't know if it was a plot going backwards, but it certainly seems to be a fishy correlation today. Yeah, they seem to be releasing all of this information that reveals that a lot of things didn't necessarily work the way they did, like the PCR test and all, and all that stuff. And then they the numbers are dropping as a result and they're giving the credit to Biden and they're giving the credit to the vaccine. When in reality, when you look at all these things that they put into place that don't now work, it's like, I don't think these numbers ever would have reached to reach the level of a pandemic. And I can tell you a specific example in a story that I saw today. Headline is those fever scanners that everyone is using to fight COVID can be wildly inaccurate. The Food and Drug Administration. (laughs) Yeah, listen to this. I knew this from the beginning because I asked my doctor and we should have all known this from the beginning because we spent our entire lives getting poked and prodded in our mouths, butts and arms and ears. And all of a sudden we can get our temperature taken without them touching us. Why weren't we doing it this way all along? Is Is it sadistic? So. The Food and Drug Administration issued a public alert that said the use of these temperature scanning devices could lead to inaccurate measurements and present potentially serious public health risk. And the devices, they have to work in specific situations. They have to be used properly. They test them and they hand down the real world way you're supposed to use them in a controlled environment. You're not supposed to use them over and over and over again repeatedly because if you use them over and over again repeatedly, it lowers the temperature. So these these ones you're seeing. I'm surprised it doesn't raise the temperature. 
Yeah, that's what I found Whatever. out. I believe you. Yeah, I tested it, and then my doctor told me, and this article is confirming it as well. And another interesting aspect of this whole temperature scanner is the way that they're used. They give them to people who know nothing about them, who aren't familiar with the FBA, FDA standards, who do things like this. I took my mom to the hospital. My mom is in a wheelchair. She has a, a headband on her head. So it always... They always don't know how to take her temperature. And it's kind of humorous at times. We laugh about it on the way home. But they're, they, what they do is they step about three feet away from her. They push the scanner button. And then they said this to me one time. 91.1. She's good to go. Really? 91.1? <laughs> That's hypothermia. But because they don't know how to use the test, the scanners don't work. Then they tell you to go ahead and go on up. And... This relates to a bigger theme that we've seen, and you alluded to it earlier. The PCR, quote, test, the way they analyze with the threshold cycles, is not an effective way to detect a virus. We heard this from the New York Times. We heard this from Fauci himself in audio that nobody ever really plays. And we know this from the creator of these tests. Who won a Nobel Prize for creating that. Right. The ventilators. We knew ahead of time. I know because I knew in 2017 that putting people on ventilators is not a good thing unless it's an absolute last resort. Definitely not as a default tactic, but people are getting put on ventilators by default. So here's what was going on. We're using thermometers that are faulty to determine whether or not we should go get a test that's faulty to determine whether or not we should go put on a ventilator that's not only a faulty treatment, but it's deadly. And on the basis of all the numbers created out of these three faulty things, we justified shutting down the entire country, destroying the economy, taking away jobs, giving all the money to the rich and powerful. And here we are. They're now revealing that none of these things really work the way they told us they worked in the beginning. And here's the thing. So I, I really don't understand how the antibody thing works because I took an antibody test in December. I was sick in January and I took one in February. The one I took in December was negative. The one I took in February was positive. So if the antibodies really react to a virus, I don't know. But other than that, all of this stuff seems to me to be a way that they make it feel and look like a virus, a microbial disease with all the features that we've been told are part of that. But people are sick. So I don't know if they're sick, deadly sick without the ventilators and all that. That I don't know. Yeah. But they are they are sick. And I feel like the, the whole thing just smacks of a narrative that's being shoehorned into the circumstances, obviously for an agenda. But that's what these pieces are. They don't fit. Right. And The other common theme throughout this whole thing that also applies here is that once these thermometers started getting promoted as the standard and they were start, they were put in schools and everywhere, they have them on the wall at at the dentist's office. I took my dad to and they just let the people put their heads wherever they want. If you put your head too close, the temperature can go higher. If you put it too far away, it's going to go significantly, significantly lower. But who's benefited from all of this? Well, 200 or so companies emerged that had no previous experience in thermal scanning and they sell thermal scanners for thousands of dollars and those are really? being yeah being bought by hospitals and stuff and the everyday ones that are 50 bucks are being bought by people we have one and they're making bank these big corporations are making bank selling this medical equipment that does not work well data is money by the way so i was reading over and over again the the first thing that 
clued me into it was an article in the Wall Street Journal a few days ago saying big pharma is or like CVS and stuff are making not big money or whatever they said, like real value from this massive amount of data they are now collecting. And I couldn't, and and they, every, every story they set up, I guess it's the straw man. I have to double check. I know what that means, but where they say, uh, people think we're using it for marketing. We're not using it for marketing. We don't, that would be so distasteful and profit oriented. But of course, big data has big value and it doesn't have to be one-to-one correlation. Oh, I got an email today that asked me to buy or whatever. And then I looked into it. I was trying to figure out if there was a, if they're sharing it with the feds, the closest I could come to an answer to that question is that their vaccination program these pharmacies and stuff are pursuant to a federal government push slash program. I think what you're talking about is part of that. So if it is a federal program, I would assume that they allow that federal the information to be shared. And then the other elements of it, it reminded me of back in the end of 2019. I remember I, I uh, analyzed this. I don't know if it was WSB or our show. I was talking about this project Nightingale from Google and they were getting some some flack because they had uh, uh, partnered with the biggest hospital network. It's Catholic Hospital Network. And they were really misusing the data. And they uh, they were they were arguing that they couldn't. Some places will anonymize it. And if you're going to use data for whatever. Oh, one of the things that was it that I thought was really outrageous was that they're they're using it to inform AI that will suggest uh, treatments and stuff with the purpose of getting patients to spend more money. And of course, that feels really exploitive to the patient, but we don't. After Obamacare, we don't, you know, and anybody's insurance, like you don't are, are totally disconnected from your decisions and the money. But that's actually a moral hazard for the person because iatrogenic illness problems that you get from medical treatment is a big, big part of illness. So if you're encouraging people to get medical stuff that isn't necessarily necessary or strictly required they and they don't have that price tag to kind of slow them down from overconsumption of medical care it's a moral hazard and i think that the telemedicine thing i I was trying to figure out why it's being pushed so hard i have to assume that the number one reason is for the data collection there's probably other reasons i feel like i've read about that but the data is a big part of it yeah, the data is a big part of it. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, too. The way they've conditioned us to get be normal working through Zoom and telemedicine, it just makes me wonder about some potential war scenarios coming up where people can still do things while they're at home. So I had I found another interesting article that was the funniest article that I've I've ever seen in my life. I thought it was from the Onion, but it, but it's actually not. Now you, you've heard of FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Yeah, yeah, FOMO. Absolutely. I have teenagers. How do I not know what FOMO is? But have you heard of vaccine FOMO? Oh my god! That's the new thing <laughs> that we're trying to confront. Vice <sighs> tackled this subject. Vice, Gavin McGuinness's. Yeah. yeah, Vice Morgan. News took care of it. So maybe it is. Maybe it is a bit of satire there. <laughs> well, he's no longer associated with Vice. And, and this is an interesting, yet another interesting approach to 
develop that desire for the vaccine that we've been talking about. And here's how they describe it. They, they, the article opens like this. This is how you know you're in for something really fun here is after a long, lonely year, it can be hard to sit around feeling like everyone, you know, is getting jabbed without you. Are you kidding me? Sounds like the introduction to a pornography to me. <laughs> and this is how they describe the fear of missing out. They say, why typically a fear of missing out hinges on negative feelings like regret and jealousy associated with seeing other people having fun without you. Vaccine FOMA includes a more complex range of emotions. For example, seeing a friend that was vaccinated can add to your own anxiety about potentially catching COVID-19 and you could potentially experience frustration, anger, maybe even disgust. And then it goes on to tell a story of a 26 year old who hasn't been able to get a vaccine, who's been watching all her friends on Instagram post their selfies after getting their vaccine with big smiles on their face and pictures of themselves going to eat at restaurants and traveling. See, but again, the way that they when people say, oh, because of the pandemic, it's like not because of the pandemic. It's because of extra constitutional government policies. And in this case, it's because of fascist dictatorial policies that big corporations have colluded via the World Economic Forum to shut people out of the world yeah. if they don't conform to accepting unknown biological agents into their bloodstream from a spearheaded by a company that wants to blur the lines between biology and technology. And the it's just... So they're acting like you're jealous of a vaccination. You're not jealous of a vaccination. You're just resentful that apartheid is descending over the world so that people who are cautious about their who want to educate themselves about their own medical decisions are penalized and they're penalized. They're discriminated against and they're and and these people act like this is a choice. So is it a choice that you don't get vaccinated and then are shut out of the entire world? Much of which much of which that business stuff ha- is subject to regulations that prevent entrance into the industry. So it's not like, well, you have no right to shop at Target. Well, if my mom and pop was closed down by an extra constitutional law and I can't open another mom and pop and I can't fight at uh, shop at Target, this is that that uh, underground, the soft fascism. Yep, sure is. Yeah. Have you heard this before, Binkley? I sense that you you hear you've heard me rant on this before. I well, it's necessary. It's what's it going down. on. It's, yeah, this is what they're doing. <laughs> I got emo about it. They tell us four pieces of advice on how to deal with vaccine FOMA, which they say can feel like grief. It can feel like loss, like rejection, feeling vaccine FOMA. First piece of advice is they say, don't get caught up in ruminating your negative feelings. And they tell you the self-talk. They say, don't say I'm never going to get vaccinated. Instead, say, I'm frustrated. I can't get vaccinated. And that's okay. My time will come. But give yourself permission to feel (laughs) shitty about it. That's advice number one. Does it say shitty? It it does. It does. I hate it when they use vulgarity. It's so unprofessional. Mm Mm-hmm. I use vulgarity because I can't help it. But if I were writing, I would be able to go back and I even edit myself in real time. Well, it's vice, though. They're trying to appeal to that 
you know, target I know, it's audience so manipulative. Yeah, hey, let's cuss for the kids. Like, right, yeah. like Jan, was it Jan Sikowski or whatever her name is, said, I'm told I'm allowed to use the F word now. Totally, yeah. And they know that the people who feel vaccine FOMA feel that way. So they, they want to hear that word. And the second piece... And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if you, were, if you had an opportunity to intermingle with, or just mingle with teenagers you would like literally hear the that phrase more than once, like in the same words. You'll Definitely. probably you'll probably come across it in what you read yeah. that you've done before, the shot in the arm or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah. Vaccines into people's arms. Advice number two. They say focus on things you don't focus on things you can't control, like when you will be able to get the vaccine. Instead, put your energy towards what you can control, like getting better mask and planning safe activities that are properly social distance. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I really feel like now I really feel like I'm reading George Orwell. It's fantastic. Number three, they say, have the hard conversations with your vaccinated friends. Tell them that you want to make plans outdoors that are masked and tell them you want to do it because of your frustration and jealousy and resentment that you feel. Well, why doesn't it tell you to only hang around vaccinated people so that you're at no risk whatsoever? Of catching, no, does it not work that way? Well, they talk about half vaccinated relationships also where your wife or husband is vaccinated and you're not. And that tension it causes because they can go out on the town and and travel, maybe meet another vaccinated person while you're stuck at home. There's discrimination against bi-vaccinated couples. Yeah. I have to tell you this one final piece here. They say it might seem therapeutic to commiserate with a friend who's also feeling vaccine FOMA, but don't allow yourselves to feed into each other's misery. Be careful who you're venting to and seek out friends who will validate your FOMA while still assuring you of the reality that you will get through this. Wow. I know what that's about. They don't want people who aren't vaccinated to talk about what BS it is and like that they're getting apartheided and that they some of those people are going to voluntarily not be vaccinated, probably most of them. And that does speak to how deliberate it was to close the bars and such the bars, churches and gyms where people intermingle. Totally. You know, but people don't chit chat at the grocery store. Ergo, <laughs> no problem there. Yeah. Right. Weird. Right. You know, this does really sum up the, the apartheid that you've been talking about, the medical apartheid. Very yeah, well. And they want yeah. you to know about it Yeah, because they want you to FOMO it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I love that new term. So uh, I did also, we got a little, article from the Blackbird podcast, who's a patron of ours, that there are reports of vaccine mishaps, like one place used distilled water instead of saline to dilute the vaccine. That sounds like a nothing burger to me. But those people have to be revaccinated. But it, <laughs> Blackbird's idea was that the, these kind of articles might be like your vaccinators articles, that it's, well, you know, the civilians just can't handle this kind of throughput and we need to militarize it or normalize it, regulate it more just that it might be an entree into having the military do it now it seems like they're getting shots into people's arms good and plenty but we don't know for jabbing 
Yeah, they're they're jabbing them at the like every sports facility seems to be a yep. jab a jab place. Speaking of which, the White House and FEMA today it was announced that they are partnering with Mercedes Benz Stadium in Georgia and Atlanta to distribute vaccinations, and they they selected Mercedes Benz. This is the home of the Atlanta Falcons. So lots of losses happen in that stadium. And the criteria for selecting it included the socioeconomic status, the minority status, the language, housing types, and transportation. So they chose it because of the poverty rate is what the article goes so on to say. So does it actually say that Imran Ahmad chose it or do they not give him credit? They don't give him any credit in this particular <laughs> article. It'll be open he, in a couple weeks. He's the guy who's employed. I don't know if CFR is writing the checks for him or what, but yeah. he is the founder and head of countering online digital hate or something like that. That's right. And, and he's been tasked, as we know from your Rockfin clips, which get like not enough views on YouTube. Thank goodness that you bring them to us our attention but he was tasked with uh targeting vaccine hesitancy in <laughs> minority communities especially yeah. african americans and that he uh i saw, i didn't see it in that clip but an article i read after that, i still am marveling i believe i checked the number a couple of times it was in the hundreds of millions of dollars that they were spending on this propaganda campaign targeting People of color to get the vaccines yeah. and and they try to validate the fear. I don't think it's even necessarily the history of medical abuse on minority communities, but just the the abuse that that black Americans have experienced firsthand the bullshit, the BS from the top yeah. since the founding. I completely defend the principles of liberty and securing or limiting government from the Bill of Rights. Like, I, I think, but it was proof positive from day one that a piece of paper and a bunch of blah, blah from a politician doesn't mean you're actually going to get what they say is your natural born right. You got to fight for it. Don't believe it. It all comes down to that. It's not just about the Tuskegee experiments. Yeah. And the reasoning they're using to convince them even after that history that you talk about is, well, look, if you get the vaccine and then you die, that just means the vaccine's working. <laughs> what? Hank Aaron, they did the demonstration two weeks later, he dies. No, no, no. That's not proof that there's any problems. That's well, the vaccine's still working. He just didn't die for that reason. Like he's ne like for sure. He's never me. getting COVID. Yeah, he's yeah, exactly. <laughs> you never get COVID. That's you, one way to make sure mm -hmm. you never get COVID. <laughs> so, well, at least we have Stacey Abrams. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> and Stacey Abrams, who's leading the voting rights, the, the voter, voter suppression, fighting voter suppression in, in Georgia. Corporations in Georgia are lining up behind her. Usually they try and stay out of it. A lot of these corporations like Coca-Cola, Kroger, Home Depot, others. But now because of pressure coming from activist groups, Stacey Abrams' own activist groups that she created, New Georgia Project, Fair Fight, they put they actually put a giant spread in the AJC, full page spread in the AJC to pressure them, said, corporate Georgia, will you stand with the voters? Delta, Coca-Cola, Southern Company, UPS, Aflac, a, a bunch of others. <laughs> they say, 
As the citizens and consumers, we expect you to stand against anti-democratic and racist bills can, being considered in the Georgia legislature. Our right to vote is at risk, and it goes on to give them the tell them what to do and okay. who to call. Okay, so we have Stacey Abrams, who is a known establishment elitist collaborator, trained. She is the an activist of the international power elite. Look at her internships. Listen to our shows on this. She is one of them. Us versus them. She's a them. I can prove it. (laughs) I have documentation. So let's let's think of the two possibilities here. One is she's totally in touch with the universal single minded feeling of millions of people Mm -hmm. who she says were disenfranchised by electing Democrats in Georgia. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the possibility and, and that she, as the one person who gets all that together, made a list of companies that she made demands of. And they said, OK, sure. I know it's against our interest, but we're going to publish that. Or how about this for an alternative scenario? We know these companies get together. They have conspiracies, consortiums, cartels. Governors have cartels. They're I connected to World Economic Forum. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so did you actually go through each and every name? You I've gone through. I'm not I've gone through most of them okay. so far, and right. they've all checked out. Okay, so these guys have a script themselves that they've already agreed upon, and we we must consider the possibility that they came to her and said, "Hey, could you just put your stamp of approval here? We'll buy like a couple of million of your books." Now, I don't think it exactly worked that way because my guess is she was in the meeting in the first place <laughs> like I don't think they came to her I think they yeah. put her there and she doesn't even know how this stuff gets on her desk I mean that's the thing she probably has a handler she could possibly not even know I I mean there's like no chance of that because she's smart Yeah. but you know they act like she's this hard scrabble she is the most educated credentialed per- I've never seen anyone with the kind of high powered internships that chick has had so she knows yeah. which way is, is up and that it's just hilarious. She's crap. a perfect case example of an organizational weapon mobilizing masses of people and then using them as a weapon to hammer people down and corporations down to get what you want. And we can trace that history of it. Yeah, there's a book called that, The Organizational Weapon. And the Kroger and Target also jumped in on the World Economic Forum ESG standard to, to signal their, their support of that when they responded to the Texas unmasking, so to speak. they no longer going to mandate masks in Texas. Well, Kroger and Target stood up and boldly said, doesn't matter what they say, what the government of Texas says, because masks are still mandated inside Kroger and inside Target. So the corporations, screw the government, the corporations, we're going to take over. I'd be totally fine with that, except for Target is the only store that's still open in my town. So there's a bunch of policies that wiped out my fellow Americans from making their own living. And people who own those little mom and pop shops are usually like a break and even. Not too many of them are the ones with the biggest houses on the street. Maybe yeah. on the street, but yeah. not in the town. I, I, and I'm obviously making a point. I, the Actually, all the... Sh- uh, uh, I think Guitar Center even. My son was like, we got to go to Guitar Center. I said, I think it's... I think it's bankrupt. I don't think we can go. Yeah. Wow. And there and there's a lot of places like that around here, especially the restaurants. But my point is just I would say Target was a private enterprise totally entitled to have that terrible law because the store next to it, mom and pop's place, isn't going to have that law. Mm-hmm. And then and then mom and pop are going to be rich. And that's great. Target, go screw yourself. But uh uh-uh. 
there is no mom and pop because they've already been wiped out. And that's how this fascism is coming down. Absolutely. And they don't, at least around here, they don't enforce it at all. I don't ever wear a mask in there and they don't say anything. So it's just pure (laughs) virtue signaling. Well, before we get to the last big story of the Free 30, actually, it's a few little things. I was sort of taken to task, asked to correct the record on a couple of the big stories that we covered this week. And uh, I hate to gloss over that stuff. So and they're they're hot topics. So you're going to want to hear it. Also, in the Patron 15, we've got some fun stuff. We have uh, Louis Anderson responds to Eddie Murphy. There, I heard a crazy ad. It's like a total crazy conspiracy ad on Fox headlines. I want to get your reaction to that, Binkley. And uh, you're going to tell us that about a QAnon, those fighters are going to adapt their strategy in the battle for the hill as they were foiled by those heroes from behind the fence. Mm-hmm, so so I want to I want to hear what the the latest in that war is. But of course, we first would like to give a big shout out to the sponsor of today's show, our biggest sponsor ever, Neighbors, neighbors Feed and, and seed. seed. What's on the on tap at Neighbors right well, now, Bankley? Neighbors right now First of all, they got everything you need for a good living, sustainable living. You want to start your garden, go to neighbors. They will help you out. They will give you great advice and fantastic customer service. If chicken feed, bird seed, organic dog food, organic heirloom seed packs, they have tons of new seeds in right now, and they have a special offer for Propaganda Report listeners only, where you will get 20% off of the Neighbors Organic Non-GMO Seed Pack Grab Bag. If you just type in coupon code PROPREPORT when you check out online, you will get 20% off. So check them out at NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. Good people, good products, good service. And if you want to support us, support our sponsors and also support us. <laughs> so we have a few things that you want to, might want to check out on our website, thepropreport.com. If you want to donate directly to us, that would be awesome. We really want to get that free content out there, but we can't do it without your help. So donate, shop. You can buy a little bit of Propaganda Report merch. Also, we have a continuous player of all our free content there. So if you want to just listen to the show and, you know, you're running around doing things you don't, and you don't have your glasses on, it'll just go, go, go. And also, if you do register at thepropreport.com, we will have your email address because we are always trying to step, stay one step ahead of being deplatformed. And we want to be able to reach you when that happens because we have a backup plan. We will carry on, but you're not going to be able to find us if you, if we don't have your email address. So please, we so far have used them not one time. <laughs> so you're is a very low volume email list. So check that out. It would be great to uh, connect with you, thepropreport.com. And you can also post headlines and comment on them in the press pool at the thing. And we're going to have a meetup, few meetups, one in Atlanta. We'll keep you posted on that through the meetup tab at thepropagandareport.com. So now on to the last segment, because it's a few stories of the free 30. A couple of things. So one is I absolutely am very happy to have the opportunity to correct the record on uh, something we spoke about earlier. We were talking about that somebody was taken off Patreon 
And what I was hoping I was conveying is that other people were getting, uh, as they say, butthurt about it and saying, oh, boycott Patreon, blah, blah, blah. Well, Sam, I'm very grateful. Thank you for for giving us a little clarity. So the creator who was censored on Patreon is Ryan Christian from The Last American Vagabond. He posted an article from the World Health Organization, which, according to Patreon, was violative content and medical misinformation. I haven't verified this, but I believe Sam. When asked to take it down, he told them that he won't self-center and they should do their own dirty work. So he was challenging them to take it down themselves. I don't blame him. As far as I know, he hasn't asked people to follow him to any other platform or suggest anyone leave Patreon. He was just disgusted by their behavior and was letting his patrons know that he's been suspended. But again, he never suggested what other creators and their followers should or shouldn't do. Absolutely. I didn't even know his name. I was actually getting this from other people who were kind of bandwagoning, jumping on that uh, for probably that, you know, um, maybe good intentioned reasons, but it was. Mm, what was his name again? There. It's Ryan Christian. That's what Sam's telling me. Yeah. And anyway, so I haven't validated it, but I wanted to give Sam that uh, shout out because it's good. I, I always want the record to be corrected. And I actually was not pointing finger at Ryan Christian or anybody specifically. Yeah. Okay. Spencer has a good comment on. Uh, the cop mental health thing. He says, one, it could allow for targeting cops who don't go along with the program within the ranks. I totally agree with that. So do you, I know. It says, if social workers are going to take over for low-level police calls, then, this is so funny, he says, then the cops will only be put into violent situations, hardcore crime. They will always expect that. And that's like Needle Park or what I call the ashtray syndrome or the hotel room syndrome, where if you totally silo something, that thing's going to get much more intense. I thought about something similar to that because of what something you had said about if you take away the guns, take away the bullets and certain techniques or if you take away certain techniques, then they're going to be more likely to shoot. I saw where they were. I don't know if it was a federal law or a state law that was saying no more chokeholds allowed for police officers related to George Floyd. And I do think that there needs to be some reviews and changes to the rule book that they have, uh, the police rule book and what they're able to do. But to say no chokeholds is how do you get somebody down who's well, fighting you then? Like they, that's they, I believe they already had the protocols on no chokeholds. It was supposed to, it was already morphed into something else. And it was a question of whether or not even chokeholds were are still being used. I don't know. But yes, I agree. If you are going to eliminate non-deadly force and these guys are, we've seen many times where they do end up using deadly force in a situation that a civilian, you know, non-LEO would, would probably not do. But his final point is that combining these two ideas, you get a hyper militarized police corps who are essentially controlled by whoever can deem them mentally unfit. So the outcome is what they say they want to avoid by making the rules in the first place. So then you you do actually get this, may even increase mental unfitness. And then the last thing is, I guess I got a little bit of uh, the bio on Vern Jordan. I knew, I knew I didn't know it for sure, but uh, his bio is this. Vern Jordan, who is a real, real high-level deep state guy, 
He uh, grew up in what it says in Wiki is a segregated societal cosmos of Atlanta during the 50s. What is a cosmos? He was an honors graduate of Howard High School. So uh, I knew Howard was in there somewhere. He rejected. He was rejected for a summer internship with an insurance company after a sophomore year because of his race. He earned money for college for a few summers by working as a chauffeur, then a banker. He graduated from DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana, and he said that it was um, difficult being the only black student there in a class of 400. He earned a JD wow. at Howard University School of Law. Okay, so there was a Howard there, and he was a member of Omega Psi Phi and Sigma Pi Phi fraternities. So... There you go. On all of that, a couple of shout outs, and then we can head to the patron 15. So we have uh, Gina, a new patron. Thank you so much. And some classics. Laura, who was in the Zoom party the other day. She's a homeschooler. Love her. Josh, Amy, Anne. These are all big top supporters of ours from since the beginning. Thank you all very much. And I have a really nice shout out. Uh, a warm shout out to all the fellow listeners. This is really nice, Binkley. You're going to like this. Uh, the fellow listeners who help support our real life Mulder and Scully, <laughs> Monica and Brad in their vital pursuit of the truth. Could you imagine enduring the last few years without our intrepid propaganda assassins? No, I can't either. We are very lucky to have such a well-researched and rigorously sourced show that not only provides enlightenment, catharsis and humor, but helps improve the way we perceive the world around us. An unexamined life, it is said, is not worth living. Fortunately for us, Monica and Brad help us do just that. I don't have a book or a project or Twitter account to pitch. I'm just an anonymous guy who cares about liberty and agency. There are more like me who could benefit from the propaganda report. So spread the word. Lastly, in addition to the many worthy books mentioned on this show, pick up some books by Aquinas and Solzhenitsyn. Definitely worth your time. Well, that was a powerful shout out. Many, many thanks. Mm -hmm. I'm a little embarrassed because I asked some people for shout outs and they shout out to us. And I love that. I really feel they want to express the sense of community that we're developing. So I'm going to read them, even though they do make me blush. I'm very grateful. <laughs> that was a really fun one. Solzhenitsyn and Aquinas. I'm certain those are good recommendations. I'm going to love take the X-Files myself. Too. I know. I know. I'm sure he, he, this is very well thought out. I know here has given us a nod for something that we love. So, all right, on to the patron 15. All right, you guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content Monica was just telling you about, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report or rockfin.com slash propaganda report. We will talk to you guys Monday or in the patron 15. Have a fantastic rest of your day.